one of the best food scenes in the country, right here in Minnesota. And nobody knows it like magazine food critic and James Beard Award finalist Jason DeRussia. Now bringing you the most interesting people and hottest trends. Let's listen in as DeRussia eats. All right, episode five of DeRussia Eats. It is Jason DeRussia, and today's episode focuses on food in non-traditional locations. We have got food in the middle of an art museum. Jamie Malone, who is truly one of the best chefs in all of the country, has stopped doing restaurants, and now she's doing events and pop-ups in a private space. She's got a, a high-end takeout box uh, that she's doing as well. Uh Just fascinating stuff from one of our most talented chefs, but she has been collaborating with Mia, the Minneapolis Institute of Arts, and the director of Mia, Katie Luber, joins us for this very interesting To Russia Eats, plus David Fema, another one of our most prolific, talented chefs. David Fema just announcing that he's going to be part of a, a new development on Washington, right in the heart of downtown Minneapolis. Uh, it'll be about two years until we see this new restaurant from David. Uh, but in the meantime, he's hard at work on a new restaurant that will be opening up in the North Loop this year, about two years away from that other new restaurant. But David has been the executive chef for Target Center, changing the way food is looked at inside an NBA arena. So we're in an art museum and we're inside the home of the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Minnesota Lynx. With David Fema, Jamie Malone, and the director of Mia, Katie Luber, on this episode of Derusha Eats. I'm glad to have you with us on Derusha Eats. It is time for Derusha Eats, and today we have a very unusual topic for Derusha Eats because last night I experienced an absolutely extraordinary and unusual event, and I w- can't wait uh, to have two of the people behind it. Uh, on to tell you about this amazing mashup of incredible art and the art that shows up on your plate in an eating manner. Mia, the Minneapolis Institute of Art, has combined with James Beard Award-nominated chef Jamie Malone of Paris Dining Club for this incredible combination of art and food. And we're so glad to have with us here in studio the director of Mia, Katie Luber, and Jamie Malone, Chef Jamie Malone, joining us on the phone because a chef's work is never done. Jamie has work (laughs) to do tonight. Not that you don't have work to do, Katie. We're so glad. Plenty of work. That's right. We're so glad to have you and Jamie with us. Uh, I'm glad to be here as well. Thanks, Jason. Hi, Jamie. Hi. I'm also very glad to be here. And hi, Katie. Hi, Jamie. (laughs) Let's start uh, with you, Katie, because this idea of bringing together uh, art and food, uh, on on the one hand, it sounds like, sure, that makes perfect sense. But on the other hand, I ate dinner right smack in the middle of Mia last night, which has to absolutely horrify the people who are in charge of making sure all the art is okay. As long as you were sitting down. That's our rule. So you weren't walking around. uh, But you're right. It was an extraordinary evening for for me as well. I mean, to to be there in the middle of the museum having absolutely extraordinarily delicious food 
with a group of people who did not necessarily know one another and who had joined because they were interested in a new kind of experience uh, of art and dining. We look at like kind of like a Venn diagram. There are people who love art, people who love food, and we know there's an overlap there in the middle. And Jamie and I are right there. Jamie, how did you get involved with Mia? This is not your first kind of special event and dining event that you've had. This one inspired by uh, the absolutely astonishingly interesting and beautiful Botticelli and Italian uh, Renaissance uh, uh, exhibit that is uh, a special exhibition that's in Mia right now. But Jamie, how did you end up like curating this idea of like, let's do a dinner that's inspired by the art? Uh, yeah, it actually goes back a little ways to the start of it was uh, early during the lockdown and, you know, pandemic, those deep days. Um, one of the, my first thoughts was I just want to be around art and joy and find happiness any way we can because this is going to be really tough. And so Mia was one of the first places I kind of just reached out to maybe a little bit in a cold call manner. Mm. and said, kind of just let's be friends. And that's, we very slowly started fostering a little bit of a relationship. Um, and then that grew, and I got to know Katie and Michelle Klein. Um, and this actually, Katie approached approached us with, with the idea first around um, Van Gogh so, yeah. and tying together a Van Gogh exhibit and a Japanese textile exhibit. And we did that and last so, summer. That, that yeah, was extraordinarily was... fun, too. But what Jamie yeah. doesn't know is that when I first was brought to Minneapolis to start working at Mia, which was right before the lockdown, right before COVID, uh, I was taken to dinner by the board chair and members of the, the board at Mia to this little restaurant in South Minneapolis called the Grand Cafe. Um, so I, I had no idea who Jamie Malone was then, but I had a great dinner. You were from San Antonio. Yeah, came. I came here from San Antonio. I, I'm not from San Antonio. Not from there, but yeah. But yeah, that's where I had been working before. And, you know, straight down I-35, literally, you know, <laughs> I, I my relationship to I-35 is the same as it was then, you know, just two blocks away on either side. So, But I, I went to this restaurant, the Grand Cafe, and we were just like blown away, um, my family and I, because my husband and my kids were there and – we loved it so much, and then I kept hearing about this person named Jamie, and I, I feel like it's one of the most important relationships that I could have possibly made, and I'm grateful every day for that. Jamie, I think of the art of food, and I know you think of food as art, but but how do you how do you start when you're saying, like, right now the exhibit is this uh, incredible Botticelli exhibit, Renaissance Florence, uh, talk me through your thought process of how you create a menu that that is in, is it inspired by? Is it hand in hand with? How how do you do that? You know, I mean, we take each one. This dinner is very different than the Van Gogh uh, dinner we did. But the one thing I'm really thinking about is when you're in the museum and you're experiencing this art and. I don't think it's been mentioned, but at these dinners, before dinner, you have a tour of the exhibit uh, with Katie, with the curators. It's really extraordinary. And so you're, like, feeling all the feels of 
seeing the art, learning more about the art. And so we are trying to add another layer or dimension to that feeling and putting you in that place. In this dinner, for instance, we're pulling recipes from that time period that were really, really well documented um, because it was the Renaissance. Um, people were really interested in how do we make food you know, over the top and abundant and amazing and special. Um, and so we were really just thinking of sort of transporting you. Um, and I, Jason, you and I talked a little bit about it last night, but you know, like for the Kaiseki dinners, for this dinner, it's about how do we keep that feeling of curiosity going that you're having as you're experiencing the art and then you're bringing that to the table and you're dining. They're, they're big, long tables, so it's 60 people at one table. And so it's about conversation and kind of continuing that feeling of exploring all of those thoughts you're having as you're, as you're looking at the art. And from my point of view, I, I so agree with Jamie, and it's been so much fun to brainstorm with her about how we can create these experiences because I, I know that all of you all know out, out there in the world that you know, the, the hardest part about COVID was the lack of experience and not having chances to interact with other people, not having chances to think about the way that different parts of our artistic experience can interact and live together. And so we really wanted to think about the way that art could be seen as an experience that could be ex- that that an exhibition, it's not just for your eyes, but it's for all of your senses and uh, that's the other part of this partnership that has been so fantastic because it's also a beautiful experience. It's, it's gorgeous. Not, the tablescape, everything is the, incredible. So you, you, you know, you're immersed in this historical moment with great scholarship and absolutely beautiful objects and deep knowledge. And then you exit onto this incredibly beautiful view of this decorated table and and that's part of it, right, Inviting. Jamie, where the table and the 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 uh, setting is uh, as much a part of the experience a- as the food is and as the art is. Completely. Yeah, I've always believed that. And we partner with Jason Burke of um, his company is called Warm House Story. And so he puts an enormous amount of work into the tabletop and the atmosphere and it adds so much. It does, and the lighting is beautiful, and it just becomes this, you're kind of enveloped and bathed in all different kinds of sensory experiences. And then there's, you know, lovely wine that accompanies the meal, and and a sommelier, Bill Somerville, who comes along and tells you about why you're drinking that wine with this bite of of food. And it just becomes this very, very enveloping warm and connected experience and that's i think what we've been trying to create do you think of yourself as an artist jamie no uh-uh. i do i think of jamie as a consummate <laughs> artist and uh, yeah is it because we try go to ahead create emotion we try yeah. to create emotion and experience but i think when it comes to food it is about knowledge no understanding how things work, recipes and, you know, all that. But it's really more craftsmanship in my mind. I think when we all come together and create these experiences, 
it is a form of art because I think at the end of the day, art is you're giving something of yourself, you're sharing something. And so in that regard, I would say we are creating art, but I don't think of cooking as art. Yeah. It, it might be too pretentious if you actually thought of it that way, but I will say as the recipient, as the diner, you definitely experience it. I, as I would agree with that, Jason. I, I think that the experience is very artful. And the, the, you know, but it is a totality of bringing together all of those things because, you know, we, we all, we, we eat to live, right? And we, you know, few yeah. of us live to eat and, and, but to be there and to be connected with other people. And again, I think part of the beauty of this experience is that it's, you're connected with people you don't necessarily know. Well, yes, Alyssa and I are going to the house now of the people that we were sitting next to who we've run into at another one of these dinners before, but now we're going to their house for that's, dinner. That is so special. I love to hear yeah. that. Because I think that's the other thing that I know that I was starved for uh, for those uh, much of that time of COVID when we were all in lockdown because I was alone here. My my family wasn't here, and I, I was just so lonely. And to, to be able to, you know, enjoy, you know, something so special as uh, – delicious food in this environment. Uh, it just, it's a really emotional experience for me. Jamie, we're uh, going to let you go, but uh, tell everyone as, as we kind of head towards the holidays, you do, your company does all sorts of uh, private dinners and uh, special holiday type dinners as well, right? Yeah. Paris Dining Club, we really focus on, we deliver meal kits to your home and it's, they're really about throwing dinner parties or just having these, kind of intimate moments that you don't really have to put any work into. We do all the work. I can so. I can endorse those. I've done that quite a few times. It's really great. Paris Dining Club is what it's called. Jamie Malone is truly uh, one of Minnesota's best chefs, and what a memorable experience last night. And Katie and I say you're an artist, so you yeah. are. That's it. It's done. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> right. Thanks, Jamie. Thank Appreciate it. Guys. We're going to take a so break. Nice. Katie, when we come back, I want to talk more about what's going on at the museum and the Botticelli ex, uh, exhibit. Sounds that, like a plan. Uh, I know a lot of our listeners, after you sell it, they're going to want to go see it. Okay, it is I can amazing. do that. 421, quick break. DeRussia Eats here on News Talk 830 WCCO. 426, DeRussia Eats going a little arty for you today. We're talking with the director of MIA, the Minneapolis. Do you like MIA? I know yeah, you guys rebranded. It was yeah, like it's been a few years. MIA. Yeah, and then it, it was Mia. MIA. They did it before you came, they so did. you I, have I no choice. I, I didn't have any um, responsibility for that, but I think it's really nice. Yeah. Mia, you know, it means beloved. It means mine. It means uh, something that, that you love. And, and it does belong. I mean, this art museum and people, you know, in our first segment, we were talking about really a decadent over-the-top meal. It's not for everyone. It's not intended to be for everyone. But the museum itself really is for everyone. It's it free. Is. Is. It's been free since it was founded. Which is and, remarkable. Yes, and uh, it's a it's a remarkable resource for this community, and you know, so cherished by the community. I mean, that's why we have so many visitors, and it's. Are things back? I mean, obviously during so, COVID, so things have been slow. Part of the reason we're doing this Botticelli exhibition is to remind people that. Staying at home and watching Netflix is not the same as getting out and going to the museum. And we wanted to do something that would um, would bring our audiences back. And 
part of the the dining experiences was in that same strategy for us. But certainly bringing Botticelli to Minneapolis, the only place in the world, by the way, that you can see this exhibition, which is our creation, uh, it was to really try to stimulate our audiences to get up and come out and come see the museum and to remember how much they love it. Sandro Botticelli, genius of the Renaissance, lived in Florence. uh, Born in Florence. Changed, really changed art in his approach, which was very different from the the types of portraits that you saw uh, prior to Botticelli. Completely. I mean, he is a a genius painter and he... You know, live very much of the fabric of the of Florence. You know, his father is a, you know, works as a leather tanner, and you know he, but he lives next door to Amerigo Vespucci. You know, who America is named for. So, so many things happened in Florence at that time, including the bubonic plague, which killed sadly. Yes, no, yeah, not killed, not one of the best parts of Florence no, no, in the fourteen no. fifties. You know, I, I think one of the things that is so fascinating about this exhibition to me is that we have just lived through our own plague, if you will. I mean, mm. of COVID, and that you know that, but in Florence at that time, they lost three quarters of their population in four months, and in the in the early in the like the fourteen thirty eight, yeah, and. Uh, so, yes, you can't even imagine that kind of loss of population. Uh, but, you know, it was also a time of incredible invention and discovery and renewal because of that, and also religious dissent. So it, there is a lot that we could see that's parallel to our lives today. What's fascinating about this uh, exhibition is that you have rare paintings, rare drawings from Botticelli, but you have it alongside some of his uh, colleagues at the time, you have uh, antiquities also in there where you can see the inspiration from some of these sculptures. Yes, the which Medici is, which were, is remarkable. Yeah, the Medici were were very avid collectors of antiquities because also in the 15th century, uh, it's the the rediscovery of the ancient world, and they, you know, we know the day that things were discovered, and then the day that they ended up in the Medici garden, where artists like Botticelli could have seen them. Now that garden is sacked still in the 15th century and we don't ever, there's never been a true inventory of it, but we have a pretty good idea. And many of the works of art in of the antiquities in the exhibition are directly reflected in the works of art uh, that Sandro Botticelli, he drew them, yeah. he then painted them. And you see this creative process coming through very, very clearly. Tickets are uh, – this is a ticketed special exhibition, $20 for tickets. You can get them online at artsmia, artsmia.org. But the full museum is open, and it is really – it. what I love about it is how approachable it is in that you have any type of art you can imagine, uh, it's in there. And I think for people who are sometimes intimidated by a museum, if you love modern art, you've got that. If you want to see art art by Native Americans or uh, Minnesotans, you have that. But you also have, you know, jades from China. China. You have. I mean, it's just all over the place. You want to see like the coats of armor? You've got that. Like we call we call that encyclopedic. So we have yes. we we like to think that we represent everything in the world. And we've just hired a new curator of Latin American art. So we've never had that part of our world covered, and now we do. And uh, that's very exciting for me. 
All right. There's some classes, too. You heard us talking with Jamie. There are some classes on the website that are linked holiday season, kind of linked to Jamie and linked to this exhibit. So check it all out at artsmia.org. Katie Luber, thank you for coming in. We appreciate it. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Jason. It's really fun. DeRussia Eats continues. Here's your host, Jason DeRussia. David Fema joins us live in our Skyway studios here. This is a big night for you. It's huge. Uh, it's the excitement around the team is amazing. Uh, Does that impact? You run all the food for the concession stands with uh, yeah, Levy. We, yeah, we oversee pretty much everything top to bottom, concessions, premium, every level. And and uh, we pretty much have a full arena tonight. Uh, a lot of expectations about the team, a lot of expectations about the experience itself. Yeah. And we're ready to deliver. We're very excited. It is it is part of the promise that the new ownership made. And obviously, we're still in sort of that transitional period. But Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie have really focused on that fan experience. And I know you they've they've impressed upon you how important that is. Absolutely. I mean, but that started years ago you knew. with Ryan and Ethan. And it, this is just a continuation of that. Yeah. And it's taking what we do and what we've done really, really well. Continue to do that, but keep improving on it. I mean, the big thing is that we live in a community. A, a food community. Yes. There's amazing chefs, amazing restaurants. The community knows what it's eating. It knows what it's tasting. And so we are challenged by that all the time. And we you know we're challenging ourselves. You know, you said something that is really very true. We are, I think, the best venue when it comes to the food and beverage experience of any arena anywhere, in you my are. opinion. Yeah. But I'm, I'm biased for sure. Right. Right. Well, I would tell you if I didn't think you were. I think you would. (laughs) You've said it before, for sure. (laughs) Here's here's what I love about the way you set things up here, because for years, one of my pet peeves as a food writer is I get invited to these dog and pony shows with all the new food that somebody brings out for their facility. And the average fan couldn't get 90 percent of it. And the way you've set things up here is the cool kind of partners, outside restaurants, that frankly, a lot of fans, this may be their first time to go and taste the food from El Burrito Mercado. You, you, you brought it where everybody can get, not just the rich people, not just the sweet holders. It's there for everybody, which I think is really important. Uh, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll even challenge that even a little bit more. The concession food and the the average that the average fan will be able to have access most are not avail- available for the premium ticket holders and so it's really an amazing experience for the fans and we and I've saw a lot when we did that uh, tasting and we've invited the media yeah. a lot of people going what about us and I kept saying it's for you that whole tasting was for the fans sitting anywhere and everywhere to to taste things that they normally wouldn't probably even know of or maybe not have access to. So that's very exciting. David Fema is our guest. He is the uh, chef and owner of Fema's Minneapolis, a great restaurant right in downtown. Good place. If you're looking for a place to go before the game, that's a good idea, too. But you've made it where uh, the food is as much of an attraction here. Uh, so people feel good showing up early and eating right here in the Target Center. Well, we, we make winning even more exciting. Yeah. And we make you forget when we're not doing well. <laughs> you know, that's what we want the food to do. <laughs> what are some of the new uh, partners and new things that people should be excited about if they're coming tonight? Or really, the Wolves have a lot of home games 
in October and November. So it's a good chance to get in early on that. You mentioned a couple, El Burrito Mercado, which is amazing Latin food. We've partnered a lot with the BIPOC community to bring their food, their story, and their culture to the arena. Black, Soul indigenous, ball. people of absolutely, color. Absolutely. Women owned. El Burrito women, is women owned. Yeah. Uh, of course, Parlor is back. Wicked, which is a local uh, company which is, does s- strictly plant-based food. We are the first concessions. We are the first arena to have a fully, a full concession stand that is 100% vegan. Do and you the food think, is amazing. Do you think people really want plant-based, uh, you know, sausages or plant-based burgers at a Timberwolves game? I'm a firm believer that I don't make the decision on what people want or don't want. I want to give them the choice. And I want to give them the variety. They decide what they want. I, on, I honestly, there are many days, uh, Jason, I don't feel like having meat. And yeah. so if I can have a meatball sandwich that's made that tastes so much like it. With it does. Great, I tried it. It's good. It's amazing. Yeah. I, then, then I'm happy. It's yeah. really, it's about choices. We let the fans decide what they want. We give them the choices to make those decisions. I do like that, you know, if you are vegan or vegetarian, you get a little tired of like the only option is some like nobody wants to eat a salad in yes. their in their yes. seat at a basketball yeah. game. Yeah, like, I agree. Here's some carrots. Like, all right, like, you can you can have a slider. You can have a, a meatball sandwich. You can yeah. have a fish, salmon cakes. I mean, it's 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 amazing the offerings that we have, and being, you know, plant based. Eating is not strictly about being vegan or vegetarian. Yes. It's about also there is a relation to being uh, in harmony with nature and it's and, and doing and supporting local local communities. And and Wicked, as you mentioned, is local. Local. It's a local company that has a, a big great. national and international presence. Yeah. yeah. And they just, for whatever reason, haven't. Uh, been dist- they're in Kowalski's now, so if you like it here, you can buy it at Kowalski's, That's awesome. which is cool. David Fema is our guest, uh, running uh, the food here at Target Center. What is your, on game day, now I've seen you like running around up here. What is a normal game day like for you? Because it's not just... It's a know. marathon and a half. It's yeah. around 60,000 steps of going up and down, checking in every space, every corner, uh, about the service tasting, so I don't eat during. I really <laughs> this don't. This is how you're I so taste. skinny. No, no, yeah. I, I I go home and I'm starving. Yeah. I'm constantly tasting. Tasty. I mean, uh, we're doing a beurre blanc with lavender today. I'm tasting it. Then I have to taste. I look at a hot dog. I don't think it's right. I'm I'm pulling it to see if that it pops properly, and it's 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 just a that's that's my job. I I love doing that, and and then during the game. You get to meet the fans yeah. and they go, yeah. Hey, chef, what, what's new? And chef, can we do this? And it's, it's really being, I am, I am what I call a front of the house chef. Yeah. I like yeah. to touch the fans. I mean, not figuratively speaking, but right. <laughs> you know, I like to be, I have like, I like to be connected because that's the best way to know what people like and don't For like. Sure. And so to me, it's really constantly about, Looking what's working and keeping it, what's not working, making sure that it doesn't touch the guest and being in touch with the guests and making sure that they're happy. Is there, I mean, do you also have to make food for the ownership? And oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I, I, I do it for the guy paying $10 for his seat and I do it for the guy who is doing, paying 2000 and I do it with the same love and passion. I have no quarrels with that. I love that. Yeah. 
How long have you been doing the food here? This is our fifth year. Yeah. What's the What's the biggest surprise for you in in your five years doing the food here? At I mean, because this you know you've had many restaurants here in the Twin Cities. Yes. But there's nothing, and you work for Lifetime Fitness for a long yeah, time. Yeah. But there's nothing quite like a twenty thousand plus person arena. People want good food. <laughs> And, Pretty simple, yeah. And that it's that simple. Initially, people said, well, they come to the arena, they want to see the game. I, I, I beg to differ. They want great food no matter where they're at. Nice. All right. Go see El Burrito Mercado down here. Go see the FEMA's. Uh, the Wagyu slider. That Wagyu slider is so good. <laughs> it's so good. I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for the success and that this has gone well. Thank you so much. David FEMA, thanks for being with us here at Drive Time with Russia. Thanks so much for listening to the DeRussia Eats podcast. On WCCO Radio, 830 AM, we do conversations with chefs, with farmers, with small business people every Tuesday and Thursday at 4 p.m. The podcast is available every week. If you enjoyed what you heard, I would love for you to leave us a review. Give us however many stars you can. I don't know, 10, 20 stars would be nice, five stars, and leave your feedback as well. It really helps us grow and helps support covering the food community here at WCCO Radio and in the DeRussia Eats podcast. If you'd like to email me with an idea or a question about the restaurant scene, you can email jason at odyssey, A-U-D-A-C-Y dot com, jason at odyssey dot com. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time on the DeRussia Eats podcast. Thanks for listening to DeRussia Eats. Dan Cook is our producer. Jason DeRussia is your host. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. DeRussia Eats is a production of Odyssey.